welcome back to the channel. I'm your host for today, Claire Headley. Um, I appreciate you being here. And this today is my next episode of Scientology Stories, in which um, I am talking with all manner of people about their experiences in Scientology with the purpose to educate people on the true nature of Scientology. So if you're here for the first time, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the bell notification so you get notified of new content. And with that, I would like to welcome my special guest for today. This is a person very near and dear to our hearts, someone that I refer to as the mother nature never gave me for very good reason, as you're going to find out today. And my guest for today, welcome Cindy Plahuda. Hi, Claire. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to have a very fun conversation about some of our mutual experiences. Um, but first of all, I wanted to say congratulations on the launch of your new channel. Thank you very much. Yes, CC's Comfort Cooking. Do I have that right? You do. Yeah, perfect. And we will, of course, link to that in the description. And anyone watching, please head on over to CC's Comfort Cooking and like and subscribe. Tons of great content coming there as the newest addition to the organically growing SPTV network. In this case, your cooking channel. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so for today, I figured we could start with um, just hearing some of your, you know, how briefly how you got into Scientology, but then talk about how our paths first crossed and what that was like from your perspective. Cool. Well, I have a very strange story on how I got into Scientology. <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in the middle of nowhere, and <clears throat> The company that everybody that in the area worked that had laid off again, and my husband at the time and I, we had two children, and we decided to move to Florida. And when I got to Florida, I needed to get a job. So I went to an employment agency and uh, did get a job at a printing company. I had no clue what Scientology was. I'd never heard of it. I just thought I was getting a job in a printing company and it was owned by Scientologists and 99% of the customers there were Scientologists. So that's wow. how I got in. Within a couple of years, I got sucked into the vortex. <laughs> wow. By virtue of your work environment, not even your own choosing, really. No, I had no clue. Never heard of it. Uh, one day after I worked there, a couple of weeks, I um, came back from lunch and I said to my boss, I said, boy, they, there's a band concert that's been going on here in town. Every time I go out to lunch, I see all these people in uniforms. It's been going on for a couple of weeks. And he said, what kind of uniforms? And I said, well, I don't remember the color, but they have like these gold braids on them and they're walking around town. And he said, he proceeded to tell me those were Scientologists. He didn't tell me he was a Scientologist then. Wow. But anyway. So you, you thought they were marching marching band members. Little yeah. did you know. <laughs> I had no idea my life was about to change. So anyway, I um, in 1991, I moved from Florida to Los Angeles to get married, as you know. Brought, and I like I said, I had two children. They were 14 and 16 at the time. And uh, the first thing that I did was enroll them in a course at CCINT, and that's where we met you. Yes, so which, of course, CC being Celebrity Center on uh, Franklin in yeah. Hollywood, right? Yeah. Yes. And they came home, and after a couple of days, they were talking about you. <laughs> oh, there's this really nice girl, Claire, that we want to hang out with. And, you know, I was really nervous about moving to L.A., having my kids you know, it was, it was not going to be a free for all for my kids because that's not the way I raised them. And yeah. so I, um, I, I got introduced to you and after I met you, I'm like, okay, you can hang out with her. <laughs> you were the I'm, only so, I'm so glad. <laughs> you were the only official approved teenager for them to hang out with. <laughs> and then you and Kara started doing things together and it was yeah. really nice. And, yeah. um, a lot of times Hugh would come pick you up or 
usually that's what would happen. Or I'd take you to the Beverly Hills mission or pick you up there. Yes. Yes. In uh, fact, I think that Kara and I did some Scientology courses there together, if I remember correctly. You did. And she got asked if she would do the Pura um, at no charge because they needed a um, twin for her. And that's how she kind of got involved in being on staff originally. Do you remember who she was doing the purification rundown with and how old she was at that time? She was about 14 when she did the Pura. The first time she did the Pura. And then... um, then, in, I think it was the summer, you and Kara had plans together, and Kara called your house to firm him up one night, and Hugh got on the phone and said you were gone, and then you had joined the Sea Org. We had had a little inkling of a clue just from one conversation I had with you, um, but didn't really think it would happen, because that had been a couple months prior and so it was shocking, absolutely shocking to us. We, we didn't see you again. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, should I remind you of the conversation we did have? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because so. this was this was 16-year-old me, I guess, at that time, because that's, that's how old I was. And... And I know, I know we've talked about it and we'll talk about it now too, but yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm very interested to hear your perspective on everything that happened there. (laughs) So JB and Kara, my, my kids came home from course one day and they were telling me how you had been getting taken out of the course room to be recruited for the Sea Org and how it'd been going on for a few days and you would uh, go to roll call and then it's after roll call, they would just come and take you out of the course room. So the next time you came over, me being the pot stirrer that I am, I said to you, <laughs> Troublemaker, hey, you. I know. <laughs> I said, Hey, what is this about you getting pulled out of the course room? There, I mean, I was a new Scientologist then. But I said, and and of course, for for everyone listening, sorry to cut you off there, but but it's a huge no no. It's it's you're absolutely never supposed to pull someone out of a course room under any circumstances, especially not to be recruited for the C organization. And I was a, a minor, no parents present. Anyway, all of that, it's you know hindsight. But if if my kids were in a position anything remotely with any of that happening, I would be like furious. Right. So I said to you, you, do you know that there's a policy that says one that you can't be pulled off course? And you said, I know, but it's been going on for a long time. I'm used to it. I will never forget that. And I said to you, do you need help with that? And you said, no, I'm used to it. So I just let it drop. Which was- yeah, I wish I I wish I would have been, you know, it's funny. It's just interesting to, I'm sure I absolutely said that. I don't remember saying that, but it's, it's absolutely, it is something I was used to because I've been hounded by recruiters going back to when I was seven years old, when I first ever signed a billion year contract and then 12 and 13. And I, it was Really, and I had already asked my stepdad and my mom for help with it, and they just threw back at my face that as someone who had completed the quote professional TRs course in Scientology, that I should be able to handle any communication situation, no matter how hard. So, therefore, it should be on me to at 16. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yeah. So we would, I would go to events, almost every event. My kids would go to some events. So I would always ask them if they had seen you or they would ask me if I had seen you. This makes me cry. But, um, and then my son started working on events. And one day he told me in 1997 that he saw you and that you had gotten married. I'm like, she's gotten married and she was, 
and cheat and you were at the end phase. So I thought, oh my God, you're at the end phase. That's amazing. That's like the crema the the creme and we had gone on the free wins and some of we were being recruited for the Sea Org a couple of years prior. <clears throat> and we were told how at the int phase and on the free wins, they got all <laughs> I'm laughing now, but it's not it's not funny. How you all got only organic food to eat, like the best, like organic cattle, the organic fruits and vegetables, and they had a golf course at the interface. And I'm like, wow, she's doing great. That I'm not going to be concerned. I hope to see her. Anyway, <clears throat> so then what happened was in um, 2005, I had been doing a bunch of. Uh, uh, regging, uh, asking people for donations for the ideal org in Denver. And I got, I was pretty much the only one asking for donations. There was a lady that worked with me setting appointments, but I was the one who would go out and ask people for $5,000, $30,000, whatever. And I raised a million and a half dollars in a a year, about a year and a half. For the, Denver, the, for the Denver for the Denver org. And I wow. got called into the ethics office one night and told that I clearly had something up that was criminal because I had not gotten in enough money for the ideal org, which was three million dollars. Wow. I was pretty disgruntled at that point. Um, you know, I did go to a few events after that, but it was very disheartening. So in 2007, the basics came out. And I don't I don't know how involved you were with that, but we were just hit up like every day, a couple times a day. Then it kind of dissipated. It was only like every other day. It didn't matter how many sets we had bought. It was never enough. Wow. Yeah, this was 2007 with... We got out in 2005, oh, so we, right. we were yeah. there. We were there when the basics were being worked on, but not for the release. But yes, I've heard many horror stories of people being required to purchase multiple copies and endless hours of phone calls into the wee hours of the night and things like that. Yes. So then, uh, you know, it was just starting to really stick on my craw. And 2009 was this huge turning point, though. So I had a very good friend I'd known since 1990. And her her brother-in-law is Matt Pesh. So I knew Matt. He's a great guy, just like an amazing Sea Org member. And um, anyway, his sister-in-law called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm at the airport in Denver. Would you, are, do you live close enough uh, to come and and visit me. I've got an hour layover or 45 minute layover. And I said, no, it would take me about that long to get there. And she said, oh, let's just talk on the phone because we haven't really caught up. And she told me why she was at the Denver airport. She had paid for her OT levels through OT5. She was clear. And she had arranged her life to stay at Flag for a couple of months. She took her son with her. She put him in the Delphi school there. Uh, so she could be on course full time and she got to flag and she was uh, sat in the ethics office for 11 days and not allowed to go on course because you know you have to go through the check sheet when you get there she wasn't allowed to go past there and finally at the 11th day she said I'm just going to go home I'm going to get my son out of Delphi just go home because nobody will tell me why I'm here yeah, And so because she threatened to go home, uh, somebody brought her in, the, in their office and said, the reason that you can't do anything is because your brother-in-law has uh, spoken out in the same, uh, I think it was the Tampa Bay Times, then he did an article and he's a declared suppressive. He's not in the Sea Org. She didn't even know her own brother-in-law that she was close to was out of the Sea Org. Wow. So anyway, we had that conversation. Well, what do I, what's the first thing I want to do when I hang up from her? Go read the article? Uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. So I was I was really, really frightened to do that because, you know, I, I had done OT7 
I um, really tried to toe the line as much as possible. And one of the bit, one of the biggest no-nos you could do would be to look at anything about Scientology on the internet. So as soon as my husband went to bed, <laughs> I closed my curtains in Castle Rock, Colorado, and in a very frightened manner, <laughs> looked up uh, the, the Tampa Bay Times article. I read it. Matt was in there, and a lot of other people were, were in there that I knew, and that was a turning point for me. Uh, I told my husband the next day, I said, listen, I looked at that article, and he said, what did you think? And I said, you know, I think all those guys in that article turned SP, they're suppressive. And so we just talked about it for a little bit. We both went to work. That night, I thought, you know, I know Matt Pesh, he's a great guy. And, and Marty Rathbun, and there was quite a few people that I knew. And I thought, I'm going to reread it. When I reread it, I'm like, no, all of those people who are stand-up, hard-working people did not all become suppressive. Yeah. So I told my husband that, and I read the article to him, and we were both like, wow, we know these people. Yeah. So then I uh, attempted to get a hold of Marty Rathbun, which I did, because <clears throat> I thought, hey, I've done the PTSD course twice. Uh, I, I was on OT7. If anybody could handle a suppressive conversation, for Pete's sake, I should be able to do that. Yes. So I called him. I talked to him for about an hour and a half. And I thought, you know, this church stuff has gone haywire. David Miscavige mm -hmm. is really crazy. He's hitting people. And I'm like, I can't be a part of an organization that actually hits people who are working for free right? to help this so-called church. And then as I started looking more about that, about Heber Jensen, who, who was just a really good guy, you know, like he was one of the first people I ever heard about. People would just have raving reviews about Heber Jensen. Mm -hmm. And he was being held at the end base. And there was actually uh, like this wire above the fence. And there was it was turned inward. So the people yep. inside couldn't get out. Yeah. And when I saw right. a picture of that, I just thought, I cannot be a part of this. I cannot. Yeah. So then I thought, I have to find Claire. Is she still in there? Because <laughs> I didn't want you to be inside the fence, <laughs> not being able to get out. Yeah. So and the funny part, too, just to fill in the hole, when I got out, um, I had searched for you, but by by your prior name, so I, and I had, and I had found Jamie and Kara, but I didn't reach out to them because I didn't want to, you know, I, I, I didn't want to create any waves for people being that I was a big, bad, suppressive person, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah. So every night I was on the internet until like two, four o'clock in the morning, I read Jeffrey Hawkins' entire book that he had up anything I could read. And I'm like, Oh my God. But mainly I was looking for you, but I didn't know. I just knew you as a witch as your last name. So yes. I kept looking up Hugh, like, where do they live? Do I stalk them? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then one night after six months, I found you, you were on an, you had a different last name, which I knew that you would have because you were had married. And, um, you were on an Australian TV show. And as yes, soon as I the, saw the, you, I was like, oh my it was God. the Australian Four Corners documentary, I think. Yes. Yes. So I saw you and I'm like, oh my God, Claire is out. She's not in there. <laughs> I cried my eyes out. I ran up the stairs. I woke my husband up. It was midnight. I said, I found Claire. I found Claire because he knew that I had been looking for you. Yeah. So, um, and how so, many, how many years had it been for us at that point? So, cause I joined in 1991. So this was now 18 years later. Yes. Cause it was wow. 2010. Yeah. 19, 19 years. Wow. That's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Then I just vaporized for 19 years. No, no, just poof gone in the night. But anyway, go ahead. Yep. So then I had to find you. 
and how to get a hold of you. So I kept trying to do that with your new name and I couldn't find out how to get a hold of you. And then I, I had one option, but I didn't want to use the option, uh, which was Facebook because I knew that Scientology had a way to, to track those things. Yeah. So finally I'm like, I don't care. And I found you, I had found you. I just hadn't contacted you. And I found you when I sent you an email a message and I said, <laughs> you'll know what I said. Yes. I go said, ahead. I, I love hearing it every time. It's just so funny. It's so amazing. I get goosebumps every time. So I said to you, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Jamie and Karen's mom. I remarried and I moved to Colorado and I'm no longer a Scientologist. And what did you say? I said, oh, now you're going to make me cry, Cece. (laughs) (laughs) I said, of course I remember you. I've been looking for you. And we are moving to Colorado in three months (laughs) to the same town. (laughs) You said you were moving to Castle Rock, Colorado. And I lived in Castle Rock, Colorado. Yes, because you didn't say where you lived in your message. You just said you lived in Colorado. And then I said, we're moving to Castle Rock. And you wrote back, we live in Castle Rock. <laughs> in caps. With exclamation point. Yes, yes. <laughs> you actually came to visit me. <laughs> yes. And I knew you had the boys because I saw the back of them in the documentary or the news story. <laughs> And I was so focused on you coming. I was like, oh, my God, Claire's going to come. And we had (laughs) talked on the phone many times before you came. Yes. And then you came around, I think, Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah, we were visiting Mark's family in Colorado for Thanksgiving. Um, And so, yes, you're absolutely right. I remember we, it was like, the first time we'd come to that section of Castle Rock and, and uh, it was kind of a little bit late at night. I think the kids were probably already asleep because our, the boys were only four and two back yeah. then. Yeah. That's yes. crazy. And so you got to our house and you get out of the car and I was just like, Oh my God, there's Claire. <laughs> I'm so excited to see you. And then you gave me the best gifts. <laughs> you got the boys out of the car. They were just so precious. And then what happened next? Mark got out of the car. (laughs) As soon as as he spoke, I'm like, okay, he's part of my family. He's just an amazing person. Yes. And it's never stopped since. So that's that's how that happened. Yes, it was an, such an incredible thing to get you back in that way. And, um, you know, it was just amazing because obviously our our kids have, um, you know, they had never they had never known a grandmother role. And you just swooped in and grabbed that full <laughs> grabbed that full on like nothing I've ever seen. Holy moly. <laughs> That was a great gift. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. And this is where I always say family of choice is just such an incredible gift. And, you know, for all we've lived through, it makes it just so, so worth it to have you in our lives. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it is an incredible story, even though it's our story. <laughs> it really is. And then, then after you moved, right after you moved to Colorado, then my daughter disconnected from me. Yeah, which so, that was the awful part. And I, 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 you probably remember that I had told you, you know, if you need to make that choice, I'd, I don't want you to have to. That, that's just the evil of Scientology, in my opinion. I would never want to put someone in that position where they were choosing. You know, that's not a choice. That's uh, that's just through and through the evil of disconnection. Yeah, I actually was quite surprised that my daughter disconnected. I did not think she would do that. I thought she would be able to think for herself. Yeah, I had spoken to her a little bit and just said, Hey, you know, I don't, I think there's some issues here because you all, um, 
at your mission. She's she's a staff member at the South South Coast Mission in Orange County, California. They had won for two years the birthday game. And whenever I go to that mission, to when I visit her, there was never any, not one time was there one person on course. So and contradiction, I, big contradiction to them being supposedly the best, most biggest expanding mission on the planet, right? That is right. So I said to her, you know, why don't we take a tour? Let's go do a road trip. You and me, let's go around and look at these orgs and these missions and see if they really do have a lot of people on course. Because I had done a lot of traveling and going to different orgs when I was uh, uh, fundraising for the Superpower Project. There was never anybody on course. It didn't matter if I was in Arizona, Sacramento, wherever, San Diego. I mean, it was really sparse. So I hadn't, you know, with with the South Coast Mission actually winning the birthday game two years in a row, I'm like, okay, you got to wake up here. Right. But she got pretty upset with me that I suggested it. So wow, anyway, even even just to go look, she wouldn't go, and she didn't want to hear me say that. Wow. So anyway, you know, it is what it is. It's twelve years, twelve and a half years later, and you know, she's made her choices. So hopefully, she'll make another choice. Soon. Yeah, Kara, when you watch this, call your mom now. <laughs> Thanks, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> It bears being said because you are a beautiful person and you're a blessing in our lives and she's missing out and that's, that's on her, but she can change that by picking up the phone. So yeah. And same with your mom. But you know, I'm pretty happy being grandma. So (laughs) it's okay for me. Instead, let the world know why I'm referred to as Cece. Yes. Yes. So, so let's see. Um, in 2013, 2013, yes, 2013, I had my third son and he was biggest of my boys yet. About near killed me at birth, <laughs> as you probably remember. I do. Uh, <laughs> but he is an incredible blessing and he's our Colorado baby. So he, by, by default, I think that that should make us Colorado natives, even though I'm from England and Mark is from Omaha and, you know, but that's me. But, um, so, be, and so I, I think that he became very close to you almost immediately because when he was six weeks old, is when I ended up in ICU and almost died from sepsis. Um, And then he just, uh, you very, very kindly and courageously swooped in and helped me navigate all of that. Mark was out of town. And it was a scary time. (laughs) It was a very scary week. Yep. Easter weekend, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, But, and then, so, and Grayson also just, you know, from that point forward, I think you start, started spending time with him almost on a weekly basis, at least when he got a little bit older, he would come hang out with you. And, um, and so I think I want to say when he was like, maybe not even a year old, um, he started calling you Cece because he couldn't say Cindy. So he would say Cece, Cece, Cece. Hi, Cece. We have so many videos of him. (laughs) Say hi to Cece. Hi, Cece. (laughs) And then the boys started calling me that. You and Mark started calling me that. Yes. Everybody started. It was always like, oh, Cece. And um, thus, Cece's Comfort Cooking Channel. (laughs) It had to be Cece's. <laughs> it's so it's so awesome. It's uh yeah. Anyway, it's just crazy, crazy the 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 whole journey we've been on in the last since since then of you know just re reuniting with you and getting to know Matt and um and and um I think also too the the traditions that you built with our kids is another thing I'm just so incredibly grateful for. But let's tell the story of the the Christmas shopping and then what happened. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, the first time? Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay, so the boys were, what, three and five by then? Like yes. The next, no. Well, they were yes. either two and four, or no, they were three and five. That's yes. right. So um, I thought I would start a Christmas tradition and take the boys Christmas shopping every year for you and Mark, a Christmas present. And because they were very typical boys, I thought we better go in a store where I where there's a door that I can keep an eye on. <laughs> so I, would t- I took them to Target. And first stop we made was Chick-fil-A because they have the, a playground inside and the boys played on the playground. And I felt like some... I just felt weird. I don't know why when we were at Chick-fil-A, but it just, you know how you just get a funny feeling. Yeah. So um, anyway, I took them to Target. We went shopping and I took them home. And a few weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend that had gotten called in at the Denver org and told that um, he needed to come and look at a pack about me. What did, what did they call it? They had a um, yeah, it's called a dead agent pack, which for people listening, they're like, what the heck? So in in Scientology, the theory is that if somebody says anything negative or does anything that Scientology would consider negative or against the rules of Scientology, then they are going to um, make that person a dead agent. So you would never listen to them for all intents and purposes. They're quite literally, it's the pack is intended to nullify nullify you completely as someone to be trusted, listened to, believed, or even associated with. Lovely. (laughs) This was not a good friend. This was just uh, a friend from the Denver org that we named a a public. And he did a civilian, civilian Scientologist. Yes. Yeah. So he went in to see what they had to say because he didn't want to be black marked himself. Yeah. And he said he went in and he was told that Mark was the head of anonymous, (laughs) (laughs) which was so funny. I know. And that was that was um, the attack line from Scientology at that time about Mark and I, which we have always said, you know, what are like there's no more ridiculous thing to say about Mark and I. I mean, sure, there are actually more ridiculous things like Mark licks crackers or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but particularly in regards to Anonymous, the whole point is that the members of that movement are, as the name implies, anonymous. And yet <laughs> Mark and I, uh, Mark was anonymous when he first started talking out. Anonymous as in he didn't state publicly his name, not not part of anonymous movement because this was before that even started or before the anonymous movement took an interest in Scientology, let's say. Um, but Mark, so Mark had started speaking out in 2006 and he was posting anonymously as blown for good, i.e. escaped for good, never coming back. And that's the reason for the title of his book, of course. Um, and he didn't uh, he didn't announce publicly who he was until a conference he, he attended in Hamburg um, held by the German government to um, educate the EEC delegates on the dangers of the cult of Scientology. And in that speech that he gave at that conference, he said, my name is Mark Headley. I'm known as Blown for Good, or paraphrased. And that was the first time he had publicly stated who he was as Blown for Good. But even that was before this. Um, And we, you know, obviously we we have never... uh, other than that year and a half when Mark was posting anonymous, anom- anonymously, uh, nobody nobody does not know who we are, and we've certainly not the head of anonymous. I mean, that's ridiculous. There, there is, to my knowledge, I don't know. There is no head of anonymous. But it's it's funny too that in our lawsuit, when our lawsuit was pending. Um, one of the there was um, discovery, you know, where we were asked to provide all these different documents, and Scientology provided us with this whole list of names, saying they wanted to see 
every communication we'd ever had with these people is like five names, I want to say, maybe even 10 names. And literally, we did not know a single one of these people. And we found out much later that these were people that Scientology had uncovered as, as yes, they have involvement with Anonymous and they were investigating them. We had just never heard of them. <laughs> well, they found out who members of Anonymous were. Yes. Wow. So my friend uh, told me that not only was Mark Anonymous, but they had pictures of me with the boys at Chick-fil-A, which brought the hair up on the back of my neck. Yeah, and mine too. we had many, many incidents after that of noticing private investigators around our house, around us, around you. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that for a church to be involved in a church that would do that and spend that kind of money on chasing down people who didn't want to be a part of the church is so crazy. Yeah, We had no idea. When I got a job at the printing center in 1985, I had no clue who I was going to work for. Yeah. You know, if anybody asks me who I am, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, and I'm a friend. Yes, and I know. So- and that, and that, is, that, that does epitomize to me the dangers of Scientology. Like, believe whatever you want, but you should know what the organization you're getting involved with does, what they have a hi- decades of history of doing, you know, the lengths that they will go to to try and silence people like me or you or Mark. And, and honestly, when they do things like that, personally, it just motivates me to keep going. I'm like, obviously, people need to be warned that this is a dangerous group. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you are, I, I had a much different journey than you did because I was public. You were born in it and you were uh, recruited in it from a young age. But on the public side, you were never, ever told that there's PIs that chase people down. You don't even, you know that people get declared suppressive, but you think, oh, they must be horrible people have done like taken the OT levels illegally or something like that. But I've never really known anyone before that was declared. Um, A friend of mine called me uh, about in 2011, I'm going to say. And she said, I just heard that you're declared a suppressive person and that was put on the bulletin board at the Denver Org. I laughed so hard because at that point I was like, who declared me a suppressive person? A church that that cha- follows around a grandma with little boys and takes pictures. I'm like, I don't really care what they have to say. Like David Miscavige is the biggest scumbag on the earth as far as I'm concerned. So I really don't care at all. They could plaster them all over Denver. I don't really care because no one really cares about the Church of Scientology, really, unless you've been there and somebody has been taken away from you by them. That was one of the first things that was a huge revelation to us. We had somebody knock on our door one night. He was a friend and he was finding his way out of the church. And I was afraid that he was Osa. So I went Mm -hmm. to answer the door. (laughs) And finally, Matt's like, just open the door. (laughs) A friend outside. And he said, Cindy, I've been looking at the internet. And he was not clear yet. He hadn't reached the state of clear or anything. And he said, do you realize that everybody on planet Earth, other than Scientologists, know the OT3 data? (laughs) And I said, no. And he said, just watch South Park. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's watched that South Park episode. And he said, everyone knows it. Or you can look at it. You can read it online on the Internet. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I've been keeping that a big secret. (laughs) (laughs) Including even from your husband, right? Yes. 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 You cannot speak of it. Yeah. At all. So when I was married prior, my husband and I were both OTs and we couldn't talk to each other about it. Right. Because you were not allowed to even even though you were both had achieved the upper levels, you're never 
allowed to discuss or compare notes or anything, right? That's right. Not at all. Because that was one of the things I asked in the course room. I'm like, oh, can I go home and talk to my husband about this? They're like, no, nothing. Zip lips. Because if you do that, you're out security. And then you have to do, you know what you have to do. Yeah. A long, (laughs) bad, hard process. Including one that you as a civilian... Scientologist would have to pay for, no less. That is correct. Yeah. But the biggest thing was you had to go around to your peers and you had to do a big write-off on what you had done. And then you had to have hundreds of people that were at least OT3 or whatever you were doing sign that they they would sign what's called a liability formula. To allow you back into the the group as a accepted person. <laughs> Can you believe that? No. Pay, pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for the bridge. In fact, I was watching a video last night and somebody was, oh, it was Matt Pesh of all people. Yeah. And he was talking about how David Miscavige decided people had to pay for OT9 and 10, even though they, they couldn't deliver it. It doesn't exist. I was one of those people. Oh my my gosh. I paid for everything for the grades, the OT levels and OT nine and 10 on the ship. Wow. (laughs) Do you remember how much you paid? I do not. Oh, I mean, the whole thing, like at the time, 130,000 or something like that. But then of course I had to keep paying more because you would run out of hours or whatever. Yeah. So they still owe you OT9 and 10, basically. They do. They do. (laughs) I would say they owe me a lot more than that. Of course they do. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, no, not to, not to understate the the fact of the matter. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's just crazy. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But the good thing is it's come out of all of it is I have you and Mark and the boys and I have my husband. Yes. So, And a lot of my friends are out now and, you know, every time somebody contacts us or we hear about somebody that's out that we know, we're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. That was always a good thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so grateful to have you in our lives. You're always a voice of reason for me, even when (laughs) sometimes I get in a flurry of emotions and and you're, you're always just so calm and... (laughs) tell me to, you always give me excellent advice. I'm so grateful for that. Well, I'm glad that you think it's excellent advice. (laughs) 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 Had quite a few ups and downs and a lot of things that have happened and what, gosh, how long has it been now? Since 2010. Yeah, 2010. So 13 years that we've had, we've been back together. Um, We've had yeah. babies being born. Yes. We've been chased by PIs. Oh, remember when we took the kids to the tiny oh. town? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we should we should tell that story. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. So we went to Tiny Town, which is a cute, cute little town that it's got houses that are miniature and the kids can go in some of them and it's got a park at the end and it's got a train that you can the kids can ride all the way around. So we went up there with, we went with two other women and their children. Yes. One of them was an ex-Scientologist and the other one had had no involvement. She was just a friend of ours. But she was so, used to being followed around. Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so anyway, we were up there and we were <clears throat> trying to think, oh, yes, we were, we were kind of done. We had taken the kids down to the park, part of the the ground and we were having a picnic lunch yeah we're just sitting on top of the picnic tables i think yeah that's right you're right we were on top of the picnic tables and the road goes in front of the park and all of a sudden a minivan goes by they open the door of the minivan while it's moving and they have a camera <laughs> they're, taking, they're taking like a documentary of us as they, they go down the road. Yeah. And we're all just sitting there going, 
we were stunned. We were like, wait, did you just see what I just saw? <laughs> That's so weird. Uh, so bizarre. I know. I know. I will say it's it's been, you know, we we get asked a lot since since we've started this YouTube hobby of ours. Like, what do you tell your kids? And I think I'd love to hear your perspective on this. But from my perspective, I've always tried to, in an age appropriate fashion, um, just let them know that we used to be a part of a a group that is very controlling and has negative influences on family. And I did, and I intentionally only ever stated things I know to be absolutely true at an age appropriate level, um, based on advice I was given by Dr. Laura to tell them the truth. And at least that way I would know they'd never go down that path. Right. I've never really talked to the boys about the PI issue. Um, I have always, that has been one of my biggest fears, quite truthfully, as you know. Yeah. You've got to really keep a good hold of the boys. You've always had a very good outlook on it. Like you want them to grow up and have normal friendships and do normal things. And you've done a good job on making sure they're safe, but they have so many friends and activities and things like that. So the PI issue, it's been, that to me has been not so great. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's where I've always carefully documented all of that. And even in fact, when Mark released his book, I, I of course was completely supportive, but I said, you know, to be real, we, we need to, and to be um, responsible, we need to have our wills done. You know, you can never be too careful when it comes to Scientology. And I've never been convinced before all of this. Someone would really enjoy me to no longer be here as a person other than Scientology and OSA. And um, as much as it sucks to say that, it's the reality. So we've taken what what I feel are appropriate measures to ensure that we're protected, that our kids are protected, that no one in Scientology would ever, under any circumstances, get any access to them if something were to happen to us. Right. That is correct. They are yeah. completely protected. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's been so crazy. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll jump on and do more because we have stories for days. We do. So much we could talk about. But I really, really, as, as I told you, I really wanted to kind of, we've told, of course, our reunion story so many times. And every single time I just cry and I'm just grateful and I'm, and I love you and my boys love you and Mark loves you. And, um, to end on a high note, I think I would just remind you of the, the funny thing that happened (laughs) when we, so when we first came that first night, when we came and met up with you in person, Mark, no, don't be, don't be. It's the best. Mark, um, you know, of course he didn't know you and, and he was like, so, so remind me again, who, who is it that we're going to see and, and why? And I'm like, no, no, this, you're going to love this person. She's amazing. She's like the, the mom I never had. She's just awesome. She's out of Scientology. (laughs) And he was like, okay. So he just kind of was like, a little like nah, skeptical, let's say, right? <laughs> and, then, and then we walked in and you were like, okay, so I need to give you some hatting, which is Scientology's for, for, you know, hot tips of how not to fall over in your house because of that funny step you had by the kitchen. And Mark kind of looked at me like, Seriously, like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. The language, the language of Scientology dies hard, especially when you're talking to people that you know understand it, right? It just kind of kicks in. It is the weirdest thing ever. We never use a Scientology word anymore, ever. But as soon as we're around another ex-Scientologist, it just comes out. It is the weirdest phenomenon ever. 
Yes. It's like you just know the other person knows that language. And so there are certain words that you can fill in 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 the English language, but it takes a little bit where if you say those certain words in Scientology, it's like, oh, you got it right then. So, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) it all worked out, but it was very funny. It was just like, oh, (laughs) it was kind of funny. (laughs) And of course, Mark, Mark loves to give you a hard time at every opportunity. So (laughs) I know. And I give it back to him. Yes, you do. Great relationship. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we will wrap it up here. Thank you again so much for your time. And just a reminder to everyone watching to head on over to CC's Comfort Cooking YouTube channel that has joined the SPTV network where you can get all the hot tips of CC's amazing and delicious recipes because we certainly love them. (laughs) 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 Yes. And, and, and um, for those who've been asking, I'm going to send my Yorkshire pudding recipe to you. It's going to be even better because you're, you're in, you're not in high altitude anymore. Um, So it's going to turn out way better at your house than it does even at my house. And so I will send you that recipe and you let me know when it comes out and we can share it because Mark and I have talked about Yorkshire pudding a few times and people are like, we want to see the recipe. (laughs) If you look on the comments on my YouTube channel, my channel, there are several people who are like, is the Yorkshire pudding going to be next? Yes. But the early ones were like, are you going to do it? Now it's like, is it going to be next? Nice. (laughs) Nice. And, and, and you all have been really great on encouraging me to do the YouTube channel because yes. I love to cook. And Mark was like, you need to do a YouTube channel. You need to do your recipes. Yes. So I appreciate the encouragement. Yes, absolutely. It's going to continue to grow and we will continue to plug it and <laughs> and we'll keep having our talks and maybe I'll, I can even figure out if you want to put this, our discussion here on your channel too, as the origins of CC. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> awesome. All righty. Well, thank you again for your time today. Um, I'll link to the channel and we'll talk soon. I love you. Love you too. All right. Bye-bye.